You're now listening to Primetime with Charles Reese, presented by the Bros You Think Network. Enjoy. What's up, guys? Welcome to another edition of the Primetime Podcast. My name is Charles Reese, your host, and today... Got a lot to talk about. Uh, LSU wraps up the season, but we're going to be focusing a lot on the Saints and Pelicans as Saints open up mini camp. Uh, someone just got a big payday today, and the Pels look towards trading Anthony Davis uh, maybe before the tr- uh, the NBA draft happens in a couple of weeks. But today our special guest is Brian Bienemy. Y'all know him as Brian in, over in NOLA East. Uh, make sure y'all follow him on Twitter at public underscore B underscore enemy. Brian, how are you doing today? Doing just fine, man. Uh, l- luckily, it's getting a little cooler as the sun kind of hides a little bit. So uh, I'm br- doing pretty well here in NOLA. Yeah, it's a, kind of a pleasant day, too, with that humidity kind of getting uh, knocked down a, a notch, too. So I can't complain there at all. No question. So let's talk about Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan gets a new contract. We've been seeing this all offseason where he's been saying how he wants to be a saint for life. He's willing to take a pay cut. Well, with two years left on his contract, just signs a three-year extension worth $52.5 million uh, to make him a saint till he's about 35. Uh, What are your initial reactions to this new contract extension? Absolutely overjoyed for a guy like Cam, who's pretty much ingratiated himself into the New Orleans culture. And, and I mean, Cam is 504, man. There's a point to where I don't even think at this point you can tell guys like him, Alvin Kamara, and Michael Thomas, they weren't born and raised to Renola. They really just, you know, engulfed themselves in the culture. And full thing to see, put so much time, effort, and energy into making himself one of the most elite defensive ends in the NFL, and he doesn't even get the credit for it, when, you know, when you're thinking of, of a national perspective. So it's really good to see Cam get not only rewarded, but to see guys nationally finally take notice to, oh, wow, the Saints just paid this guy. And, oh, yeah, he has better numbers than a lot of the guys that they praise every weekend. What do you think about the number? Uh, I, you know, I do think he took a favorable contract in terms of Saints cap uh, situation looking down the road. I mean, this is a guy that probably could have commanded $20 million plus on an open market. Yeah, no question. And I think that the great thing about Cam is that he's been saying it all offseason that he does. He's not looking to break the bank. He just wants to make sure he remains in the role as he loves his team. He loves the city. He loves his, you know, the organization. And I think guys like that eventually do get rewarded. And that's why we see Cam now on his third contract with the Saints, although he's only turning 30 and he could have commanded a lot more on the open market. Should he have just played it out, possibly got franchised a time or two? He could have been one of the most elite guys as far as financially that we've seen in the NFL, but he didn't need that. And I think that goes a long way in the saying that, you know, how he feels about not only, you know, himself as far as, you know, the level of play that he's displayed, but also how he feels as a teammate because he knows guys like Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, Marshawn Lattimore, Marcus Williams, Von Bell. These are Sheldon Rankins as well, should he come back from the injury. These are all guys that are next up to get paid. And if Cam takes a large chunk of that, then those guys don't get paid as well. That's a great teammate. Well, thinking, talking about guys that are going to be getting paid next, looks like Michael Thomas is a guy that I think the Saints, uh, if they're smart, which we, we at this point can say they are, are going to be working on a contract with Michael Thomas probably before camp starts. Uh, and, you know, they have to pay guys like Von Bell as well. And then looking to next offseason, and you've got to worry about guys like Alvin Kamara. You've got to work about, worry about Marcus Williams and, and so on and so on. And, and so looking at these next contracts, who do you expect to have the next deal? 
I think no question about it. It's Michael Thomas. And Sean Payton came out himself today and kind of said that he thinks Michael Thomas will be up next as far as getting paid after that. You can kind of parlay the Marshawn Lattimore one because both he and Ryan Ramchick were first-round picks. You can have that option, uh, that fifth-year option, so they can kind of stall that one out a little bit. But I think after that, I would think Von Bell actually would get paid prior to Marcus Williams because I think I've seen that guy excel every year, just get better and better. And this was now going to be his third year in the same system. I expect really big things from Von Bell. Marcus Williams as well, but I think Von Bell may, may cash in before Marcus Williams. Well, before we switch over to offense, kind of want to ask about defense, just looking at depth chart. Uh, look, the Saints... A lot of people had kind of tied him in with Gerald McCoy. Uh, personally, Brian, I feel like defensive tackle is a spot that could be kind of thin, especially with Rankins uh, going to be taking time to get back. And then you know a suspension from Onyemata is going to be coming at some point. Uh, looking at not only defensive tackle, but even that defensive end position, how do you think this roster plays out through minicamp and training camp at those two positions? I think defensive end is a bigger need than defensive tackle right now, even though, as you stated, that Rankins won't be back. Probably he's going to start the, uh, the season on pup list, meaning that he's going to have to sit out. And, of course, you know, guys like Anyamata, I'm thinking that's going to be a one-game suspension. I don't think that's going to be too, uh, too long for him. But still in all, you're going to have, you know, that suspension looming anyway. So you're going to have Malcolm Brown, Taylor Stallworth, and, of course, you'll have um, Mario Edwards Jr., who's going to also be there playing the three technique. Those guys will have to man the fort until, you know, reinforcements come. But I'm more afraid of the defensive end position. There's really nothing behind Cam Jordan and Marcus Davenport. And you're really not sure what you have at those spots and, and with Marcus da Davenport anyway because he's kind of a raw talent that just started coming on. He hits the injury. Then he comes on again, and he doesn't really get to finish the season. So I think for him it's going to be imperative that he come out, you know, basically blazing and on fire because if not, it could take a toll on his confidence, which is not what we want to see as a young guy who's kind of question himself already and does he belong you really don't want to have that confidence factor into the second the, 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 you know in the back of his mind either so I think when it comes to Marcus Davenport we'll see him try to maybe elevate his game just a little bit but I'm really concerned about the depth behind him because he's used to that rotational role and there's really nobody to spell cam on the opposite side either that's of note so I think the Saints will kind of probably basically scour the waiver wire when those cuts start to happen and try to maybe pick up a veteran or two towards the end of camp well, what do you, how do you feel about a guy like Kendrickson? It seems like he kind of disappeared last year after that first year having some success uh, and maybe more out of a, a necessity of having a guy there and just being able to get some production. We, he really just disappeared last year. Do you think that's a guy that the Saints can count on or, or does a team looking to win a Super Bowl need a better option? Yeah, well, when it comes to Trey Hendrickson, man, I really don't think he's going to be a guy that the Saints can count on. He is a depth guy, and Sean Payton compared him a lot to Rob Nickovich, the one that got away for Sean, if you will. And I think that's the reason why we'll see a guy like Hendrickson stick around. Maybe it's going to take him a little bit more time to develop than it will a guy like a Davenport or it's a Cam Jordan. But I think he's going to stick around because, as we know, that the Saints don't really have a lot of depth at the defensive end position. So I think he makes it through camp. But it would not surprise me to see him be one of the, the, the roster cuts should the Saints be able to bring in a, a, a more well-known veteran that can fill that spot as well. Well, we look over at that offensive side of the ball. You talked about guys coming up to get paid. Uh, man, do you think this could be Drew Brees' last year? I want to say yes, but I think that all depends on how the Saints end the season. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater signed that one-year deal essentially just for no reason. I I think that's kind of a plan in place 
for Bridgewater to take over. And I really believe the Saints think that this is their year to win it all, which is why you see the Saints doing something that most teams don't consider doing. They're going all out for special teams. Now, we know the offense is set. You know the defense is set. But special teams has kind of been the Achilles heel. They're, they're set with Will Lutz. They're set with Thomas Morstead. But outside of that, they never had a, a permanent kick return or punt return guy. They kind of had spot duty there. And now you have guys that are going to just fill in. They're going to bring in as many positive guys as they can to kind of be able to get downfield, flip the field as far as punt return and kick return coverage is concerned. So they're going all out. They even switched out the special teams coordinator the first time they've done that in a long time. So I think that's why we're going to see the Saints kind of go all in on special teams. And they got to try to solidify that. What that means for Drew Brees is there aren't any excuses. It's all or nothing for Drew Brees. And if he gets it done, I think he rides off into the sunset. If they suffer yet another heartbreaking loss, the Minnesota miracle, the blown call, if that happens, I think Drew Brees comes back for one more year. We saw last year after that Cowboys game, or really prior to that Cowboys game last year, the Saints offensive line was just beaten up uh, almost at every single position. They, they had guys miss a game. Uh, Saints bring in a guy like Eric McCoy in the draft who was running with the ones today. Nick Easton was starting uh, with the ones as well with Warford still out. What can we expect from those two guys this year, especially a guy like McCoy being a day one starter, it seems? I think that was the the plan all along that he was, you know, he's big, nasty and physical. He reminds me so much of Jonathan Goodwin, just big, nasty, physical, can move and get downfield to get those sail blocks on the linebackers. He, once he gets to the second level and gets his hands on a guy, it's curtain. So, I mean, whoever's coming behind him, no matter which running back, that may be Murray or Alvin Kamara, if it, even if it's Taysom Hill lining up in the backfield, once he gets to that second level, McCoy, is going to obliterate linemen and secondary guys. So I think that's a great move for the Saints. And as far as Nick Easton is concerned, I think he's basically the Senio Kelamente of this year. He's going to be their utility guard, guy that comes in on jumbo packages. He's going to fill in for spot duty if there's an injury here or there along the offensive line. He can fill in at three spots, left guard, right guard, and of course at center. So I think that's exactly what his role is going to be, that utility guy. And I think we're going to see McCoy start. And it's not a bad thing if you're, if you're, if you're Easton because you're getting paid about four, four and a half mil to kind of be a utility utility guy in which you're basically a bench guy unless they need you so it's not a bad gig for him either look Brian I'm excited about looking at the receiving options for the Saints with Jared Cook and we know what we have in Michael Thomas but once you get past that I mean a guy like Cam Meredith was there but he didn't participate today there's a lot of money invested in a guy like that Traquan Smith I know he was a rookie had some up and downs expect him to continue to excel this year but what can we expect from this receiver core uh, that it seems like after Michael Thomas, there's a big drop off in terms of ability? I think that's the, the, the forgetting, you know, the forgotten part of it. I think Ted Ginn really solves a lot of that. Even at the age of 33, going on to 34, he's still a burn and can still get downfield. So I think Ted Ginn is actually your, your third option, if you will. I think Michael Thomas is going to be first. Jared Cook's going to be second. Ted Ginn's going to be third. After that, you have Alvin Kamara and whomever else you want to use for a fourth and fifth option. So I think Traquan Smith hit the rookie wall last year. I think because he went to Central Florida, not really used to playing extended seasons like you do in the NFL with guys who just <laughs> just as physical you know he, he didn't really get that that baptism that baptism by fire going to a program like maybe in ohio state or in alabama or lsu he didn't get that he went to central florida they didn't really have a chance to shine and play in a lot of big you know truly big games so i think he hit the rookie wall he'll be just fine once he catches his second win and now that he kind of understands what to expect from the nfl cam Meredith is the guy that really puzzles me because even with taking a pay cut he is a guy that was counted on and he's a big physical presence that was the you know what they were looking for to play in a slot i just I can't see what's going on with him as far as that knee injury is concerned. He went to Germany early in the year 
my speculation is he went to Germany to kind of get his knee scoped and do that platelet surgery that they do over there in which they take you, your plasma, they spin it, then they put it back into your body. So I think that's what he had done in Germany. But so far, not so good for Cameron Meredith, and he has to get it on the field. If not, he'll find himself cut, and guys like Keith Kirkwood and you know, and others will have a chance. And it, it, that the Saints keep bringing in wide receivers. They brought in another one today for a workout in Rashard Matthews, former Jet, former Titan. Uh, I believe he also played, uh, gosh, I want to say uh, Titans, Jets. I want to say even the Raiders, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe it was the Seahawks. Can't remember which one of those West Coast teams, but I know he also had three three teams then. So he's another guy that they're bringing in. There's a reason they're bringing in receivers, and it's not because they're afraid of Keith Kirkwood and Traquan Smith. They don't know what they got in Cam Meredith just yet. Yeah, and, and don't forget about guys like Cobbs and, and a guy like Lil Jordan Humphrey, who I, I think Humphrey has a great shot with his size to make this roster this year. Would not surprise me if he got redshirted. So, it, you know, towards the end of training camp, it wouldn't surprise me if cough, cough, you know, all of a sudden he develops a flu that can't be cured and he has to go on IR so they can kind of stash him away. Sean's good for doing something like that. They kind of did it with Kirkwood for a while in which they kind of had him hidden on the practice squad or, you know, you know, sometimes they do that with guys that put him on IR for a year so they can bring him back the following year and let him develop. Wouldn't surprise me if that happens with a Jordan Humphrey, but his size, his speed, his ability to get open, I, I like that. And the same thing could happen for, for Grayson. I think he's another guy. Absolute, I mean, just speed out the gate. And I think it could. It would not surprise me to see him get redshirted as well because he still has to develop as a receiver in his route running. I would be very excited if that does happen. Hey, look, 2011 was almost a miracle too. I mean, that Hail Mary, and then you talk about the running backs all getting taken out that game uh, right. on a – you know, really one of those plays that the helmet-to-helmet rule came from. So you think about it, Brian, you look at it, the Saints, because of getting stopped from going to what would have been an easy path to a Super Bowl, uh, they created two rules at the end of the day. No question about it. And I think this time, even with the idea of, you know, the new pass interference rules and stuff like that that are going on, the Saints have something that many teams don't. They've got a legit number one corner and a bona fide solid number two corner as well. And you have really good safety. So that no fly zone that we all got excited about is going to be in full effect. And take this name down for all everybody that's listening. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. That is going to be a playmaker extraordinaire this year for the New Orleans Saints. He's going to make it happen, and I think that's going to be, he's going to make a few plays that are going to be difference makers in games that help the Saints win a few more. Hey, with that, do you think the Saints play more three-safety set this year, or do you think that uh, if Williams doesn't have uh, what we expected from him last year, uh, once again this year, do you think maybe Chauncey can fill in there? I think it's going to be a little bit of both. I think he's going to play all over the place. He's going to be their rover. He is going to play some of that three-safety look. They're going to bring Marcus down a little bit. But I think most importantly, they want Marcus to get back to being Marcus. And the only way to do that is to allow him to roam center field, which you have now the ability for a pass rush. You have the linebacking court that's solidified. And you have a guy that can play slot or safety that can get on the field. And Charlesy Garner-Johnson, who's also a turnover machine, I think we're about to see the best of the Saints defense that we've seen since maybe Greg Williams had the, two, the, 20, uh, the 2009 defense, they're going to create turnovers at that clip. And make no mistake about it, I think once they do that, we'll see the Saints return to the 2011 offense. They're going to be basically record-breaking this year because you're not going to be able to stop Kamara, Michael Thomas, and Jerry Cook, as well as Ted Ginn. And, and then there's Weapon X, who's Taysom Hill. Yeah, I like Weapon X. I, I know you do as well. I, I like everything that's going on with the Saints. I like the mood around the Pelicans, and I like what's going on in Baton Rouge throughout all sports. Brian, it is a good time to be a sports fan if you're in Louisiana. I'm not sure if you agree with that or not. 
No question about it. I think this is the year where championships rang, man. I think the Pelicans will make noise. I think the Saints will win a championship. I think LSU is going to knock off a bunch of people that there aren't counted to knock off both in football and basketball. And I think, of course, in baseball, we just saw them kind of get eliminated in the College World Series. But they'll be back again. So if you're a Louisiana sports fan, and that's just, you know, that's just the major guys. We're not talking about, you know, Louisiana Lafayette you know, UL Monroe and all these other guys that, you know, starting to build their programs up to be, you know, powerhouses as well across the state. It's a great time to be a Louisiana sports fan. And all I'm saying is all aboard the hype train because it's going to be loud and raucous this year. Hey, if you want to jump on that hype train and if the Saints win a Super Bowl, there is one guy you need to be following, and that is Brian. Make sure you all follow him on Twitter at public underscore B underscore enemy because it there will be all hell rained loose if that happens, man. Thank you so much for coming on, and we appreciate some of your time. No problem, guys. Take care, and uh, anytime you need me, just give me a phone call. Will do. Once again, want to thank Brian B. Enemy for giving us some of his time. Make sure y'all go follow him on Twitter at public underscore B underscore enemy. Especially, like I said, if the Saints end up having a good season, man, he can get pretty crazy out there on Twitter. So make sure y'all follow him. Uh, But we tried to talk basketball with him. Had a couple of technical difficulties in terms of connection. Uh, Hope to get him on soon to talk some basketball. But to talk basketball today. We have Lyndon Burton joining us today. Uh, before we get into that, Lyndon, how are you doing today? Man, we're inching closer to the draft. So I, I'm, I'm excited. And then hearing things about what D- David Griffin wants, seeing the media wars on Twitter and just, uh, is it Shams with, uh, uh, what's, what's his name? Uh, with LeBron's agent in AD's agent. Yeah. Is it, is it clutch with Shams or is it Woj with the, with the Pelicans organization? Who's leaking what in the media? I, I love it. It's a great time for Pels fans because we're about to see our franchise change in a dramatic fashion. And this can either be for the better or we, we, I, who knows? But I have faith in David Griffin just getting Aaron Nelson and also the new signee, which I'm sure we're going to talk about, so I don't want to spoil anything. But I'm really excited as a Pelicans fan to to get over the Anthony Davis era and to get into the Zion Williamson era. Well, before we get into the Pelicans, try to talk to this with Brian, but it, you know the audio got all messed up. Looking at that, that finals game last night, man, uh, look, I thought the Raptors were going to win that game, even with KD playing. KD gets hurt. Uh, looks like uh, for sure a torn Achilles. Personally, Lyndon, I didn't think he should have ever been out there. But uh, he gets hurt. It, it really, if it wasn't for Boogie, I think they lose that game. But what were your thoughts on KD being, in a way, forced to be back out there? Man, okay, so going into the like, there's two different emotions because going into the game, and, and me being the optimist, I'm trying to believe that. They aren't necessarily, like, he's not necessarily, no, in no form or fashion did I believe he was 100%, but I didn't think he was like he was, like how he actually was. I thought he might have been at, like, 60, 70. I thought they were going to, like, do spot up, maybe have him as a decoy, maybe some post-up. I did not think he was, and, like, honestly, Charles, when he started playing the game, he was in the first quarter for so long, I was like, Bro, why can't he even go to the bench yet? Like, what is going on? Like, he is playing no minutes restriction. I didn't understand. Didn't get it, but it's whatever. So he's playing, and then I'm like, okay, this dude's being a warrior for his team. Like it. And then when he just gets injured, it's just like, holy crap. And then all the reports are coming out. People have been knowing for weeks he shouldn't have been doing this. It's worse than, like, worse than what it was. It's like, man. Did you, like, why didn't anyone say something? Like, I know Kevin Durant 
is going to say, like, yo, I want to be out there, I want to play. But shouldn't it be someone in that organization to say, I don't think it's right that he's playing tonight. And it's just like, dang, I feel so bad for him. Like, I really do because that guy has been misinterpreted his like since he left OKC and whether or not you feel about him or you don't he was he tried for his team and it, and it just sucks for him he shouldn't have been out there I agree with you it's just it's just tragic but then to see the Warriors bounce back from that and win that game crazy Toronto missed an opportunity out of the wazoo and like we got it at Harden in the war in the Rockets for missing their opportunity when KD went down. I hope this doesn't bite Toronto in the butt because they really missed an opportunity to capitalize and just uh, put you put the foot on their throat and just end the end it and end it all because the Warriors were on life support. Yeah, it seems that you know you look at the game, the other game, the Warriors won. They had big contributions from Cousins. They had big yeah, Boogie killed it. Big contributions from a guy like Quinn Cook, which once again they had the same thing. Big three from Draymond Green. Uh, very eerily, in a way, similar to the other game they won. Just the difference is they had the 12 from KD, uh, who who seemed like, you know, the uh, Raptors really couldn't stop him, you know, from getting the shots he wanted to get. And it after he goes down, it, it, in my opinion, you know, it seemed like the team was deflated. If it wasn't for Boogie hitting a three and hitting two twos. Uh, it, it's like, you know, the Warriors would have been done in that game. No, I agree with you. It, it, you could see when, like, if Seth Curry and Andre Iguodala is walking that dude to the bench and, like, walk into the locker room, you know Clay's feeling it. You know Draymond's feeling it for him. I really felt Boogie stepped up at a time, and I was, like, watching the game, and I, I, I go, man, look at Boogie Cousins out there. Like, when he hit that three, I was like, holy crap, the Warriors are still in this game because you're absolutely right. Kevin Durant was killing, like, Killing injured, killing Toronto. Like when he was hitting those threes, it was like whoa. But you kind of saw his athleticism. I don't know if you remember when he when he went the lane and did that like mid range jumper that like forced him to use some of his like mobility. It was a straight air ball. But when he was able to just spot up and just be KD, he was killing him. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But looking at the series itself, do you think it's uh, it's done without KD being there? Oh man, this is. I was waiting. I was, I was holding my, I was holding my thing, my thoughts, because I didn't know. And I, and look, I'm not, I'm not gonna say that the Warriors don't have a chance. I, I'll say I like Toronto because I, that, that guy in Toronto, Kawhi Leonard, is a bad man. Now, if Steph and Clay find a way to just go berserk, still pushing it to a game seven. <clears throat> it's still unlikely that they win that. And, like, even if it gets to Oracle, the injuries will catch up with them eventually because Clay's coming off. Andre's not fully healthy. How many, how, how, can Draymond Green hit those shots? I don't know if Boogie Cousins is going to perform like that. I'm, I'm favoring Toronto, of course, but it's so hard to bet against the Warriors' dynasty. But I think we're seeing the end, for sure, of this dynasty as we know it. Well, looking at what's going on with the Pelicans, you talked about the whole what's going on in the media, whether, you know, Clutch playing through Shams, whether it's Griffin playing through Woj. But today, you know, uh, Griffin was available as they introduced the new member of the front office for the Pelicans. And he said, you know, on potential Anthony, Anthony Davis deal before the draft, 
exact quote from David Griffin. I don't anticipate anything of major significance other than the meeting with Zion and his family. I never anticipate that. I'm open-minded. I think we all are. There's a point at which we act. If things evolve in such a way that it's time for us to make a decision relative to Anthony Davis or any other part of the organization, we will. But we're not in a hurry to do anything. We don't feel there is a time sensitivity or sensitivity to anything we're talking about. That includes AD's desire to stay or not stay. It's not something there's a shot clock on. So I think there's a clear message from David Griffin that, look, yes, you know, Shams may be reporting for Clutch and saying Anthony Davis wants to go to the Knicks, he wants to go to the Lakers, and that's all he cares about. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter where he wants to go. The Pelicans can ship him wherever he, they want to ship him uh, to benefit the franchise at the end of the day. And I think that's what they're going to do, London. You know, I, I think that they're not going to jump the gun. They're going to wait it out. They're going to get the best deal available. And with what David Griffin said today, I feel confident in what he's going to be able to do in terms of getting a deal back uh, for Anthony Davis. Oh, 100%. I'm not... I agree with you. I don't. I don't think he's gonna jump the gun. I don't think he's gonna take a deal that's lower than what value that he wants because he stated his terms numerous times on what he's looking for. He even came out and was like, "Some teams are gonna have to bring in a third team just to even get what we want, or it's not gonna happen." And yeah, Anthony Davis, look, bro. If if it, if you want to go to New York or, or L.A., that's cool. But if they don't have what David Griffin thinks the Pelicans need, you're, you're not going to go there, and we're going to ship you. And, and if, if if it's Boston, Brooklyn, wherever brings us the value that's supposed to bring us, you're just going to have to go there, and they're going to have to deal with you. We don't have to deal with you anymore. So I agree with you, Charles. I have a question for you. Do you think it happens before the draft? Because I've been hearing a lot of people in the New Orleans media or just around the Pels talk about how they think it's going to happen before the draft. Look, we're nine days out when this drops eight days out from the draft. At this point, it seems like a deal happening before the draft is pretty unlikely. You know, um, it, it seems like they're still fielding options. They've let teams know what they want, but they haven't gotten the deal they want. You look, if I think if they get the out-of-the-park deal, they're going to take it. But at the end of the day, you know, it, the Celtics are on the phone and they say, look, you know, we're at 14 you know, in terms of who y'all want, who should we pick? Pelicans tell them who to pick. They're going to pick who the Pelicans tell them to. You know, because the Pelicans are going to get the guy that they want. But you don't see the Pelicans going out and getting guys like R.J. Barrett in house. They're not getting guys like the guard from Vanderbilt. They're not getting Jean Moran in. Uh, I think that tells you all you need to know is that the Pelicans probably won't make a trade before the draft. Yeah, that that's kind of what what it seems like they're focused in on Zion, focused in on the draft. I know there's working out these guys, and some people some people think that might be because they're getting ready to pull the trigger on the picks. But I think that's just they're doing their due diligence and seeing all these candidates in case they get that out of the park offer. I'm I'm kind of with you, man. I think whatever teams call, like like for example, like you said, if Boston calls, that that's a possibility. I just I just want to see. This deal get done at least, hopefully before free agency, or at least we get one of those where it's official, but it can't go through sort of like the Kevin Love, Andrew Wiggins thing, because I definitely think now that Kevin Durant's injured, that will affect free agency, and that may affect the Anthony Davis trade. Who knows? But that's kind of where I'm at with it. Well, speaking about the Anthony Davis trade, 
look, with Kevin Durant going down with the Achilles injury, uh, let's say the Raptors win, Kawhi stays, uh, which I think is a, a big possibility if they do win. Uh, it, it seems that Anthony Davis, actually not only does it seem, but Anthony Davis is the biggest asset available on the market this offseason, whether it be through free agency or trade. Uh, looking at just in terms of leverage, man, how, how do you feel in terms of the Pelicans on where their leverage stands as of today? Well, look, you can see, no matter, like we said earlier, no matter if he's saying he wants to go to L.A. or New York, unlike these other guys like a Kevin Durant, a Kawhi, a, a Kyrie, those guys are free agents. They can leave. We still have, have control of the chips. And like you said, it, it now with Kevin Durant being injured, the the power dynamic of the NBA shifts and Anthony Davis becomes the hottest commodity at this point, and it's like there's a vacuum in the Western Conference. You can strike now. The 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 bear is wounded. There's time for a new king of the hill. And and if you're a Daryl Morey, if you're a Nuggets, if you're one of these fringe teams, a uh, a uh, uh, Portland, if you're one of these fringe teams on the outside that that that's trying to get that one more piece to take the next step, Anthony Davis is the guy, and David Griffin can leverage that in the perfect way, get, maybe get an all-star back, as well as some picks and young guys. It, it, it just works out, for example, if, if Portland can get a third team. I've heard things of C.J. McCollum. I'm not going to say that I like that because we're trying to move to the Zion era, but that's just the type of power the Pelicans command at this point because now that KD is down and, and nobody ever wishes for anything like this to happen, it just it's crazy how sports work, how the power dynamics in sports switch so fast. And now David Griffin has a lot of power in his hands right now in the NBA. Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. I, th I think that, you know, the, the Pelicans hold up the cards and Clutch can do whatever they want, trying to say that they want to go to a certain, you know, location. Uh, Anthony Davis is under contract. And, and you see what, what Toronto has done with Kawhi this year. Uh, yes, he hasn't played every game, but they're in the finals. Uh, they got over the hump. And, and right now they're one game away from winning the finals which I think there are a lot of French teams that you want a championship, no one will ever be able to take that away from you. Uh, and if Anthony Davis only plays for one year in Boston and they win a championship, that's all that matters. you know. But I do think that with Kevin Durant going down, it does open the door looking at the West because, look, there aren't that many post guys in the West that are dominant uh, yep. like you have seen in the past. So getting a guy like Anthony Davis on a team, whether it be maybe a, a you know a Los Angeles Clippers, uh, Portland Trailblazers, um, different Nuggets, etc., I, I think teams like that could be looking at Anthony Davis as well. I think the field for Anthony Davis has gone from maybe half the teams to almost all the teams as of today. It definitely opened up because before the Kevin Durant injury, it was literally Knicks, Lakers, Boston. Clippers, Brooklyn was like a fringe team. There was these, and then now it's like, boom, it, the field is open. The, like I said, the bear is wounded. You can take the king of the, you can take over the hill now with this guy like Anthony Davis, and not just with the West. I agree with you. I think it opens to the East because you look at teams like Brooklyn, you look at teams in that East that's on that fringe, maybe a three team with Indiana, Boston, teams that need the, this dynamic big man to go up against the Giannis's, the, the Joel Embiid's. Anthony Davis is, if you can pair him with your superstar or your superstar and your two, that makes you now an instant contender. And there's so many teams that are on this fringe. If you can accumulate, maybe have a star that you, that's not quite getting you there. And if you can maybe get it with another team 
and get some picks back in for the Pels and we line all that up, it could work in your favor and push you over the hump. Well, let's look at the Pelicans in terms of who they're going to be drafting one overall. I think it's obvious they're drafting Zion Williamson. Uh, he was in today. They took him out to Commanders, had dinner with him and everything. Uh, got more of a feel of who they are, but the news is is that everything they've seen from Zion, heard from Zion, is just uh, incredible. They love the guy, not only as a prospect, but as a human um, and, and as a man, you know, in, in a way. So I, I'm looking at Zion and not only as a talent changing this organization, but as a fan, face of a franchise. I know Drew is going to be stepping into that role, but, man, I, I think that what Zion can bring to the table for the organization is going to be altering for years to come. Oh, 100%. There was a good uh, YouTube like docuseries by Rand Getlin and Park Stories on YouTube about Zion, and it's kind of about his family and just his life before he went to Duke and just when he was at uh, Williamsburg or, or Spartansburg, whatever the high school may be. And it was just about his life and how he thought about the world and just talking to him and getting to know him. And from that point, when I saw that brilliant documentary, I thought it was super dope. And, and we see the type of human he is. Like you said, we're getting a great prospect on the court, but off the court, we're getting a really good guy that I think will impact New Orleans for a long time. And I think he'll do a lot of good for the city coming up. And I think we got a good talent in him and we see not only this and, and signing the uh, the new signee of Swin Cash to the the organization for uh, the front office being like VP of player and like dash player development, dope hire. And that's something that and they said she was going to help on and off the court as well. I think she's going to add something off the court to help New Orleans and to help like with these players and their off the off the uh, court activities, what they do for the community. I think it's going to be big. And I think also she's going to help with the skill development for the players on the court. We're just getting two great people in New Orleans. And it just shows that what Gail Benson has done with David Griffin, she's just building a great organization. And Pels fans have a lot to look forward to going forward. And if David Griffin does it the right way, we're going to have a good team for a while to come. Well, I want to put this question to you. As you look at both franchises with the Pelicans and the Saints, the Pelicans have so much news going on around them right now. They have the excitement. But the Saints obviously have the better roster in terms of making it to a championship. Looking at next season, which team are you more excited about? That's so crazy, man. Like It's so funny because if you ask me this question after the Anthony Davis trade, my answer could change dramatically. Like... If we trade with Boston, my excitement actually kind of goes with the Pellies. And I know it's crazy because the Saints are going for a Super Bowl. And I'm 100% going to be excited for the Saints. But if we trade with Boston and get Tatum and Zion on a team, there's no way I'm not going to be in the blender cheering and excited for our young team. You know how much I love basketball and just how much having a young team could excite me. But if that, if you ask me after the trade and the tra we trade with the Lakers and I'm not excited for how we get back, then, oh, I'm riding with the Saints, bro, because it's super Super Bowl bound. I'm, I'm so excited for what the Saints team does. This could be potentially Drew's final ride. Like you said, seeing Cam Jordan sign in for a long term to be a Saint forever. That's amazing. So this answer could change in two weeks, in a month. But if, if it goes the way we think it's going to go, I'm more excited to see the young gun Pellies, baby, in the blender. Well, if the Pellies do get Jason Tatum, whose jersey are you getting, Zion or Jason Tatum? <laughs> 
up. Man, I might get. I think I might get a Tatum jersey just to show Tatum some love. Well, I mean, it has been a very long time since the Pelicans have had a re- uh, a reliable small forward. It, it goes all the way back to the Peja Stojakovic days. So man, you're you know, so right. Him and it, Jamal it, Mashburn. Yeah, man, and Mashburn was even before him. So it's been a very long time since the Pelicans have had a reliable three over in New Orleans. But you look, the basketball organization is. It's something to be excited about because you look at franchises that have won championships that built from the ground up, whether it be a team like Golden State, whether it be what, you know, Toronto is doing right now, teams like Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Boston, etc. They start at the front office. And what David Griffin and Gail Benson have done with the front office and the overhaul they've done, including the training staff, has been incredible. I mean, a team that was in the, you know, towards the very bottom of the league in terms of organizational uh, outlook, they're in the top 10 right now, and they're probably pushing into the top five. So there's lots to be excited about with New Orleans and the basketball program, as well as the football program. And look, you know, I talked to Brian about this, but it's like being a Louisiana sports fan, whether it be professional or college. There is a lot to be excited about, and I don't think there could be a better time to be a fan of any sport in the state than right now. No, you're absolutely right, and it's crazy because if you look at it, when we heard the Anthony Davis trade news, we had just experienced heartache, so much heartache. LSU loses to Bama after beating Georgia. The Saints have that horrible, horrible call happen. Anthony Davis requests a trade. Will Wade's in the in the slammer, like not getting love right now. We're having the dick by tail tail wars on ESPN Baton Rouge. It's in, it's insanity to be a New Orleans fan, a Louisiana sports fan at that time. It sucks. We're just getting we're just getting lick after lick. But then there's just a bright spot just starts happening. The Saints are getting signing on. All these players having good drafts. We're feeling the buzz. We signed Jared Cook. The Saints are feeling good about going into next season. Super Bowl expectations. It's back in Miami. Can we repeat the magic? It's still there. Then you get Will Wade out of the slammer. He's back at LSU. LSU gets a new AD. It's looking up for all LSU athletics. Uh, Ed Ogeron signing talent. He's having some of the best recruiting class. And then because Anthony Davis makes this trade request, we fire Del Dims. We get David Griffin. We get Aaron Nelson. We get all these, these, these wonderful acquisitions, Trajan Langdon, Swin Cash, all these acquisitions to our executive office. And then we land Zion Williamson. You're so right, Charles. It's an amazing time, whether it's college or professional, to be a Louisiana sports fan. And I just can't wait for August to come to start it off with LSU football and then end the year with the Pellies because it's going to be a fun ride next year. Well, Lynette, I appreciate you jumping on the pod, giving us some of your input on the Pelicans. Uh, like I said earlier, very exciting time. Exciting time for Louisiana sports all around. Uh, looking at baseball, they did end up losing uh, losing to Florida State. Mike Martin, great college coach, finishing off a great college career as he heads to the College World Series. Um, you have to respect everything he's done. have to respect the baseball team and what they've done in terms of overcoming injuries and really excited to see what LSU throughout all sports does next year. Uh, Lyndon, in terms of what's going on in the network, what's going on out? What will be going out this week? Well, start, uh, and when you guys hear this, a new episode of anime talk will be out for all the anime fans. We touch on a lot of new stuff, reviewing the latest shows of demon slayer and, and reviewing our manga chapters as always. 
Then on Thursday, we're dropping the usual Bros You Think episode. A lot of good news to cover, as well as discuss some NBA final stuff, getting you ready for game four. And we got a lot to cover on that show. And then on Friday, as always, Bros Who Binge, we're reviewing, I believe, Men in Black, the new international movie, as well as Godzilla, which I heard is kind of a dumpster fire. And then we'll be talking, getting you guys ready with some news on Friday for that. But other than that, that's all we got coming this week. Well, an exciting week in terms of what's going on in the network. Make sure you check out all shows on all media platforms, wherever you get your uh, podcast, whether it be Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, etc. We are on almost every single major platform. Go ahead, subscribe, rate, review, uh, give us some feedback, uh, shoot us an email, both Twitter accounts, whether it be Bros You Think Network or Primetime underscore pod. Uh, we have our emails attached. So send us an email if you have any comments, questions you'd like to send them into the show. Make sure you follow both Twitters uh, so that we can get some support. We appreciate everything that our fans do for us. But for Brian Bietemi and for Lyndon Burton, my name is Charles Reese, your host. Y'all have a great week. Enjoy the rest of the finals as they will be coming to an end. And look forward to our draft coverage as it, as it will be coming next week. And as always, God bless.